At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, Executive Director of the Commonwealth Policy Program. And we have a special edition this week, a special guest with Bob Scott. He is uh, the Commonwealth Policy Foundation's Director of Church Outreach. Bob, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Richard. It's an honor to be here today. Um, Kind of a little bit of a different way we're doing it, but, uh, you know, we're all learning technology these days. We're learning technology, and we are doing this uh, program uh, about 180 miles apart. Right. You are located just south of Louisville in Simpsonville, Kentucky. Yep. I am from my home office in Katy's, Kentucky, and we are using some wonderful technology that both you and I are still getting to know, which is <laughs> yes. great. Uh, so we're going to roll with this, yep. but we are practicing social distancing and uh, being uh, following the governor's uh, stay-at-home mm-hmm. order and uh, do- doing our best to to follow that. Bob, we were on a phone call earlier today with a pastor yeah. in eastern Kentucky who had shared with us some sad and disappointing news mm-hmm. about a person in his community who had traveled yep. out of state, contracted COVID-19, and then they attended a church service shortly after where yep. other congregants were exposed to it and a number of them contracted it. Just learned this morning that one of those church members died yep. uh, from complications from COVID-19. Sad. And on this uh, program, we're going to talk about the church's response mm-hmm. to the governmental orders to not meet, especially as uh, here we are in Eastern week, Easter week, uh, the uh, one of the most attended yeah. uh, services of the year yep. and one of the most important uh, worship times for the church is Easter. And yes. here we have a no-meet order from Governor Bashir. He's saying, look, mm-hmm. large gatherings don't meet. Yep. And this includes the churches as well. And I thought that would be helpful to bring you on to mm-hmm. talk about how churches can respond to this issue and how we ought to be thinking primarily biblically about this issue as well. Well, you, you know, you can almost start out with render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's. And and then that leads into plenty of other scriptures besides that one. Plenty. You know, it's more than just one um, that, you know, the Lord clearly commands us to obey those who are in authority over us. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I shake my head when I hear about uh Churches and thank God they're, they're they are not many uh, at least the reports I'm getting back that are disobeying not only the governor but really the request of our president as well you know to yeah. Yeah. Uh, restrict movement you know the, the the key word that we've all been hearing um, over the last several days in particular is mitigation you know and yes uh, yeah. you know if you really want to break it down what is mitigation you know mitigation is social distancing you know to be not come in close contact within six feet of of uh, someone else. No gatherings yeah. uh, of kind. Yeah. And um, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. And and uh, so it is a little disheartening when mm-hmm. you think of pastoral leaders and ministry yeah. leaders that are pushing back and resisting the the lead of the governor and of the president. Their mm-hmm. their intention, by the way, is not to shut down the church. No, this is no, not no. communist China where they're saying you cannot meet. They're saying please don't meet. To, in order to slow the spread of this. And they've done this not just towards churches, but this has been directed towards sporting right. events, right. towards concerts, um, public schools are out, the universities are out. Mm-hmm. So churches fall in that category of large gatherings. And yes. uh, it, it, is, it, it is good for the church community to follow the lead role of our civil authorities. They're put in their... They're put in place for a reason. Governor yes. Bashir, you may not agree with his policies, but he is the mm-hmm. leader of Kentucky right now. And yes, he is. we are to follow his lead and to honor his role in our society. We might not agree with everything he's doing, but you know what, Bob? He is our governor. Uh, you aren't. I'm not. <laughs> the pastors aren't. And uh, getting back to that first uh, question I brought up, let's think biblically about this. Mm-hmm. We had mentioned... That is biblical for us to submit to our Mm -hmm. leaders. That's what Romans chapter 13 says. Romans 13 says, submit unto the higher authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. Hebrews 13, 17 Mm -hmm. tells us us that. Uh, 2 Timothy, since we're going for (laughs) passages here, I'm throwing out a number of them. Uh, But 2 Timothy 1, 7 tells us to pray for kings uh, and I'm sorry, that's 2 Timothy 2, uh, 1, tells, tells us to pray, pray for kings and all those in authority over us. And that same passage that tells us to pray for our leaders also tells us, or the same Bible that tells us to pray for our leaders, tells us to submit to the authorities. Yes. And uh, I think, Bob, it can be challenging at times for us to submit. I think all of us are rebels by nature, <laughs> and we don't want to... We don't want to submit, and uh, but this is for our own good. This is for this is for the health of our communities and the health of the congregations there too. It really is, Richard. Um, you know, I serve on my uh, children's school board, and um, and I'll be very frank with you. When, when we started mulling this possibility over, th- I guess it's now going on three weeks ago. Um, there was a lot of talk, you know, within our board as to what we should do, you know. Um, but we, through discussion, and, and then once our governor actually made the decision to um, call off public school, and he strongly suggested at that time uh, private school as well, um, for all those scriptures you decided, you know, I think that was the deciding factor, you know, for us um, to go along with it initially. Now, as we have walked through this process, we have seen, um, you know, lots of reports, not just again from our governor, but from our president, uh, that mitigation works. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's been shown to work. No, I don't see how anybody can argue that. And, you know, let me yeah. share a little story. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Hey, Bob, let me, if I could just jump in yeah. and just share this, just to give some context here. It was reported by health experts uh, doing the daily briefings in the White House that in this country alone, it's anticipated, health experts believe that between 100,000 
and 240,000 Americans could die from this. Yes. So this is, this is, this is not a drill. This is the real thing. Right. And this is based on certain projections and analytics. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, they're, they're trying to save life. Yes. And it is a pro-life position. You look at biblical positions, uh, pr- principles, and this is a pro-life thing to social distance, to not meet in large gatherings. Uh, to be mindful of our community members. And that ties in with that's under the best of circumstances. You know, in other words, putting the full mitigation uh, policies into effect nationwide. Otherwise, you know, they were projecting that the death toll could be over a million, you know. Um, And we know and and I know you you talk often about uh, the Spanish flu pandemic that happened back in 1918. In this yeah. country, uh, and our country alone lost six hundred and seventy-five thousand people. You know, right. we're a much smaller country then, but and so just really think about the impact of that, and and then worldwide, it was uh, fifty million people uh, actually passed yeah. away as as a result of that pandemic. And uh, that's right. You know, going into the archives of my church, I go to Simpsonville Baptist Church in, in Simpsonville, Kentucky. Uh, it was interesting. We we were able to actually find. Uh, notes. And one thing about uh, us Baptists, we're pretty good at taking notes and besides the potluck dinners and those types of things. Uh, but digging deeply into the notes, we we saw that my church, again, over a hundred years ago, Richard, mm-hmm. closed mm-hmm. its doors for not one, not two, not three, but four months, wow. you know, wow. to help stem the flow because they figured out that that was uh, going to be something that was actually going to help and be of profit, and and it did. You know, they I think they closed down around the first of September and opened up. Uh, I think it was around January first. You know, so they went a full four months. Um, and and truthfully, this isn't really that major of a deal because you were talking earlier about uh, what's happening in other parts of the world as far as persecution uh, is concerned. And you know, it's not like it's China where churches are being bulldozed or other certain parts of Africa uh, where our brothers and sisters in Christ are, are literally laying down their lives for, uh, that's right. You know, pronouncing the gospel. All we're asking our, our governor and all of our, our, our president and the elected officials are asking is just to back off a little bit, back off a little bit, Bob, we are just about up to a break for our first segment. I want us to hold that thought of the church being uh, good community members to submitting to our authorities mm-hmm. and to uh, doing what it can do to help slow the spread of COVID-19. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Commonwealth Matters. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. Thanks so much for joining us. With me is uh, Bob Scott, uh, the Commonwealth Policy Foundation's Director for Church Outreach. And Bob, we are talking about the COVID-19 Mm-hmm. pandemic and what the church can do to help slow the spread. Because right now, a couple of things to keep in mind. Uh, there is no cure for this. No. This is a disease that there is no vaccination. There's no cure for it. Once you get it, you're going to deal with it. They yeah. can't, the doctors can't give you a pill or give you a shot to help, help you overcome it. What's particularly harmful is that Older people are especially vulnerable to yes. it. Many older people or those that have immune compromised systems uh, will be hit hard. Uh, mm-hmm. Many people won't be, but a certain percentage of the population will be. Mm-hmm. And in the first segment, we were talking about biblical principles to help 
think through this issue. And one of the biblical principles that we didn't touch on was that we ought to love our neighbors as ourselves. There's two great commands that Jesus reminds us in the New Testament. One is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second command is just like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And one of the ways that we can love our neighbor is by practicing social distancing. It's by not exposing people to it. We may, you and I may carry this and we don't, we <laughs> right, might not right. know. Yeah. So, so, so we want to keep, keep away from people, keep, keep a distance from people. But the way that the church can, uh, love its neighbor and love its neighborhood, if you will, <laughs> is to hold services online. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned Simpsonville Baptist Church a hundred years ago, 1918, yes. <laughs> closed its services for four months. Yes. And that was before Zoom calls and <laughs> right. YouTube and Facebook Live, right? Exactly. Before cell phones, too, I might add. So, yeah, cell phones, know, really no There were no telephones, I mean, you know, at that, really at that time either. So, yes. I mean, and that's really amazing when you stop and think about it, uh, that they had figured it out back then. Uh, that mitigation and and separation were going to be two key things to to defeat this enemy. And our president has uh, said time and time again, we are in a battle. And make no mistake about it, this is a battle. You know, it's one I'm thoroughly convinced we're going to win. It's not easy because our society, as you were just so eloquently talking about, is so used to uh, being mobile. You know. Uh, but that can also make an argument. Perhaps God is going to use this. Um, that's my hope is that we will see God use us. He certainly has our attention. Look, for all practical purposes, our economy has come to a halt. Mm-hmm. We've seen the stock market lose about a third of its value. We saw unemployment numbers creep to about 10 million people within a two week time period. I've not even heard the numbers for this week. It's going to be significantly more. And people aren't allowed to go out. We're not going mm-hmm. to sporting events. We're not going to concerts. Schools, uh, graduations have been canceled. Yeah. And we're all wondering, what do we do? As Americans, we're so busy and yeah. we're going this direction and that direction. Well, guess what? Our lives have come to a standstill in many cases, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. And God has our full attention. In my yes. prayer, Bob, and we'll talk a little bit th- about this more in the final segment. My prayer is that God will use this Mm -hmm. to bring about awakening. And when we say awakening, we're talking about the reality of the living God in somebody's individual life and also in the life of a culture. Yeah. Because quite frankly, we have lost that reality. We might pay lip service to God and who he is. But as far as living out our lives and living out our faith, for that Mm -hmm. matter, in the church— we don't live as if there's a living God who is there and present and active. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. I want to double back to something mm-hmm. about the Spanish flu epidemic. It hit this nation very hard. Just almost three quarters of a million people were killed here by it. Uh, in Kentucky, Kentucky was hit very hard. I was talking to one of my board members recently, and uh, his his aunt lost uh, four children within a nine-day period uh, from just, you know, a year old to, I think, a nine, ten-year-old kids. Four children within a nine-day period. This was in the tiny 
community of Cunningham, Kentucky. It's close to Paducah, but uh, that's a real-life mm-hmm. story of how uh, a family was hit hard by the Spanish flu. And I, I think of the people back then who were alive, and if they knew how deadly that flu was going to be or potentially how deadly it was going to be, I think that they would have been happy to live with the inconveniences and the economic slowdown of the time only to have their family members spared from being hit Absolutely. by that disease. No, no doubt about it. And, and the reason I say that is because there's a lot of people second-guessing the government and questioning mm-hmm. the government policies and wondering, should they have done this or maybe they're going too far? And I would say, until it hits your family, mm-hmm. uh, you may not really appreciate what is being done by the government. So uh, we need to we need to honor the government. Uh, we should be praying for those in authority that God gives them wisdom, and we should be praying for ourselves as to what we can do to help stem the uh, spread of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Bob, we've got just a moment here until we're going to go to another break. Sure. But uh, when we come back, I'd like us to talk about awakening, how Amen. God can use difficult circumstances to uh, to to bring about awakening. So uh, stick with me, and we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, and with me is Commonwealth Policy Foundation Church Outreach Director, Bob Scott. And we are talking about the church's response to the covid 19 pandemic. Uh, Bob, uh, just before the break, we were talking about uh, some things that the church can do, maybe the posture or the attitude that the church should have towards the government. And um, you you had some thoughts. I, I think that accentuated how serious this mm-hmm. is and um, maybe some churches that didn't uh, didn't follow the um, stay-at-home orders. Yes, unfortunately, um I know the L.A. Times reported uh, a couple days ago there was a church in the state of Washington. And again, in their defense, it was someone at the beginning of this. um, And this has been a learning process for everyone. uh, But they decided as a choir, uh, they decided to go ahead and and meet and and really didn't practice any social distancing of, of, of any grave concern. And unfortunately, as a result of that, uh, not just a couple, but dozens of people became infected uh, because I, there apparently was at least one person in there that that had the virus. And uh, as, as as at the time of the recording of this show, um, two of those members have actually passed away. And then mm-hmm. carrying that another step mm-hmm. further, which obviously is tragic, um, our Surgeon General uh, just on this past Sunday uh, predicted that this would be our modern day Pearl Harbor, you know, mm. as far as this week was concerned, this week to the next 10 days. Again, really trying to drive the point home um, that there's going to be, um, unfortunately, a lot of folks are going to pass. And these are people that are currently on respirators uh, that he knows statistically uh, this is going to uh, happen. And honestly, I think he's just trying to prepare our nation. Uh, for what's about to befall us right now. So Pearl Harbor saw is a little over 3,000 deaths, I believe, yep. uh, in one day. And that's what uh, the Surgeon General is projecting for this week, is that we may see an additional 3,000 deaths, which under 10,000 altogether in this country. But hmm. we're close. we're getting close to the peak. And when we get close to that peak, we're going to see a number of uh, of deaths uh, spike. Yeah. 
So, yeah. um, Bob, as pro-life people, uh, we ought to be concerned about all of, all of life. The conservative Christian church has been against abortion, which, by the way, the EMW Women's Clinic is still open in Louisville. Sadly. And uh, they've done, uh, actually, it was just under, well, it was over 300 abortions within a one-month time period. It is still open, and many Christians are pointing out the inconsistency, if not the mm-hmm. hypocrisy, that all other elective surgery centers had to be closed. The governor has allowed the EMW Women's Clinic in Louisville to remain open. I think that maybe some ministry leaders are pointing that hypocrisy out, and they're justifying their pushback against the governor's lead in other areas. They're saying, look, he's inconsistent, he's Mm pro-abortion, I don't want to follow his lead in other areas uh, as well. What would you, how would you respond to that? What would you have to say to to, to that? Apples and oranges. I mean, um, in my mind, I, I, I just think that's trying to draw a very strange line, uh, from comparative reasons, you know, um, we are, and of course, abortions, I'm sorry to interrupt. Abortions tragic. And and we should, uh, in my opinion, it shouldn't be, it should not be allowed. Mm -hmm. But uh, even though the governor might not be consistent on all points, and he might be off on allowing the abortion clinic to remain open, uh, it doesn't mean that we should follow, shouldn't follow his lead in other areas. Well, here's the deal, Richard. The way I see it, there's other issues that uh, we are in disagreement with the governor on, you know. Uh, but this is one of those issues that I know you you are and myself and uh, most of the pastors in our state are fully on board with the mitigation uh, steps that are being taken and, and being encouraged uh, by by not only our governor, uh, but by our president, who has been probably arguably one of the most pro-life presidents in, in the history of our, our nation. Uh, I agree. And, and he's pushing, you know, the whole idea of mitigation. So. Uh, that to me is just, it, it's a strange line to try to draw. You know, I, I, I think that yeah. they're somewhat separate issues, um, you, you know, uh, because he's off in an area that, that we disagree with doesn't mean that there aren't some other areas we can find some common ground on, you know. And to me, right. this is an easy common ground um, area for, for all of us to join hands on. I think so too, and I would say don't use that uh, the fact that EMW is still open as an excuse mm-hmm. to resist those social distancing guidelines, and don't use it as an excuse to pick a fight with the government. This is an opportunity for the church to work alongside yes. the yeah. government and to cooperate with authorities as they lead and as they work to slow the spread of COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. And that is a pro life position, by the way, because we're concerned Absolutely. about life that's vulnerable to disease. We're concerned about the elderly that are particularly vulnerable to it. So we want to be pro-life across the spectrum, and uh, we, we have an opportunity to do so right now, to work alongside uh, with the government. You said something about opportunity. Opportunity. I believe, and I firmly believe this, this can be one of the greatest moments in history of the church in America to really step forward and shine right now, because you realize Richard, we have uh, over 331 million people in this country. And as much as we, we want to put faith in our government, guess what? Our federal government and our state government isn't big enough to take care of all the needs in a crisis situation like this. This That's is right. a chance. This is a chance for the church and those who know the Lord and, and, and 
love the Lord. You were talking earlier about the whole idea of we're to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and and to love each other. You know, yeah. uh, this is a this is really right. this is our chance to do that. This is our great opportunity. It, it is. It, it is a great opportunity. And so one of the things that we got to keep in mind is that the church is not forced to stop preaching the gospel. We are forced to not yeah. meet in person. That's what the that's what the government is asking us to do, to stop yeah. the in-person meeting. But there's a new opportunity here where it's, it's, enterprising yeah. pastors yeah. can get out onto social media, right? They can learn how to use Facebook Live. They can learn how to use YouTube. <laughs> and they can reach a group that's typically not been reached before. The church has not largely been present on social media outlets. And so we've got a great opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, so I've talked to a few pastors. You and I have both talked to a number of pastors across the state. And they have mentioned to us that they've had greater attendance in these online services, <laughs> yep. multiple number more people that have attended the online services than would have come on the Sunday morning service. So, so Bob, as we approach Easter Sunday, yes. uh, there are opportunities there. Look, people are afraid. They're anxious. They're not sure where their next paycheck's coming from. And this is an opportunity for the church to shine, whether it's sharing their messages on social media and online or ministering in their local communities. So we're praying for awakening. We're praying that God would use this moment to, to wake people Hallelujah. And, to, and to stir their hearts <laughs> and, to, and to move them towards him. You know what? Our God is so big, he can do anything. And I'm just going to say it. Uh, Romans 8, 28 says he works all things, not some, but all things together for the good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. His hand is in the midst of this. Make make no mistake. That's right. This pandemic is going to be coming to an end. But right now, we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus right now in this season, Richard. It's that simple, you know. And just Amen. be used, and and, and I know at my 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 church, and, and we're not a huge church, we're not a small church, we're not a huge church. They're reaching out to the community. They're doing, they're doing uh, food drives, and uh, you know, reaching out and touching. Caroline and I went and shared our testimony this past Sunday. It's kind of weird because there really wasn't anybody there, but uh, just you know, the pastor <laughs> and we kept our social distance with him when we did it. Um, but there's just different ways, and you, you, you talked about it. God has given us this opportunity to draw closer to our family. My kids are home now studying online and they had classes online today. It's not the best thing, but they had interaction with their teachers. You know, just just go with the flow, you know, and, and trust the Lord. And that's the key thing. That's a key takeaway. I really want to uh, uh, just stress more heavily than I ever have stressed anything. Trust in the Lord, you know, put all of our faith and trust in him through this season and he's going to bring us through it. Amen. Amen. If you remember who we're talking about, this is the God who put, who created the universe, spoke yes. the universe into existence, and he put the sun and the moon and the stars in place. He created everything we see here on the earth, and he sustains it. This is a God who's mighty and powerful, and he's in control. And Bob, he created us to walk with him. That's mm-hmm. why we're created. We're made in his image, and we're made yes. to walk with him. Amen, brother. And at this moment, God has our full attention. and. <laughs> He is calling people to turn to him through this. And my hope is that the church would proclaim that message of hope and that message of healing that we all need to hear. Well, Bob, we yes. are unfortunately out of time. We're going to have to to close out this segment of the Commonwealth Matters. But uh, it's good to have you on the program. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you too, Richard.